Welcome to the Vinyl Vault. Initiating startup sequence. And we curse you in color, and we blank at your screams. of Fragile, a single this week's guest released last year. Todd Miller in the Vinyl Vault, this week in conversation with one of the most sampled artists in history. I believe he is, we'll talk about that, and hopefully legally. According to internet lore, he's also the co-writer of the classic track, Pneumonia Avenue, but you probably know it better by its real name, Ammonia Avenue, and author of the recently released Art and Science of Sound Technical Thriller, the book. And all-around great guy, Alan Parsons, thank you for joining us in the Vinyl Vault. Oh, very nice to be with you. Thank you. We last spoke when you were in Toronto in May of 2012 for the Art and Science of Sound Masterclass with the David Barrett Trio, which was an incredible day. That was a fun day. That was a fun day. How, how are those guys? Have you seen them? Uh, yeah, they just sent me their new disc, and it's just, uh, I couldn't stop playing it from beginning to end. It was just a, a great listen. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Alan, you're coming to the Toronto area very shortly, appearing at the Oakville Centre for the Performing Arts on March 13th and 14th. And I'll give the listeners the other dates at the end of the show. Okay. And always, as uh, as can be expected from me, a difficult question to start. Earl Grey or English breakfast? Uh, I've always been a bit of an Earl Grey man myself. Um, but I, um, un- unlike, I'm, you know, purists would say you should probably drink Earl Grey without milk, but I, I drink it with milk and sugar, so... I, yes, I never um, have it without milk and sugar. <laughs> no, I don't know why that is. But um, you know, we, we we you know since moving to America, I've uh, got got used to the idea that not so much tea is drunk here. <laughs> I was going to I was going to say, can my, you find a good cup outside of England? It's it's hard to find unless you do it yourself. It really is because um, you know the water's never hot enough. That, that's the key. Okay. <laughs> um, before we get to the tour, you recently gave the keynote address at the AES, the 137th uh, convention, and perhaps you were in a bit of a feisty mood because you were lamenting publicly the, the lack of quality, not only from the music delivery services, but the actual equipment that people use to consume the music. Um, and we touched that on that briefly in our prior chat. Why are people satisfied with less than stellar quality these days? Is it just that they haven't heard the difference in music that was created for an analog experience? My, my my experience is that uh, if somebody walks into my studio and hears the the music playing on a decent set of loudspeakers, they go, "Wow!" You know, and they, they're just they've just forgotten, or or you know, younger people just just haven't yet experienced you know true hi-fi, you know, played on good systems on good speakers. Um, sadly, MP3 as a delivery format is is vastly inferior to what. Uh, uh, even smartphones are capable of. Smartphones are capable of playing very, very good quality uh, audio if, if you download it from the right place. But unfortunately, uh, streaming services, iTunes, and so on and so on, you know, they tend to be closer to the uh, MP3 kind of quality. 
You'd mentioned in your speech about Pono uh, perhaps being a bright shining light in new technology, but then again, it becomes yet another device that people need to carry around and that why can't it be built into a smartphone? Well, I think it could. Um, I, I don't know the, uh, the full details of, of what uh, Neil Young's uh, system is, the Pono. Um, it, it, it just looks like a, a, you know, a triangular appendage in one's, in one's <laughs> pocket. Uh, uh, you know, I, and uh, as I've already mentioned, you know, smartphones are perfectly capable of, uh, of downloading uh, high, much higher quality uh, files than uh, the likes of the subscription services and iTunes currently offer. Um, all I would ask people to do is to, to think about either plugging their iPhones into a decent system at home or Bluetoothing it to a decent system at home. I have an amazing um, French uh, uh, amplifier um, here at home which uh, Bluetooths to, uh, to any phone, and it just sounds incredible. There's a lot and of good uh, DAC boxes out there that you can use as an intermediary between your computer and your, your home sound system. I wonder if people still have home sound systems these days. I know I do. I still have the big column speakers and... Well, good for you, because <laughs> there's too many people listening to uh, music on, on the internal speakers in laptops these days, my, my own family included, and I totally lament that. <laughs> it sounds like a job for, for Thomas Dolby. I know he was, you know, doing a lot of work in the early days with, with MP3 ringtones and things, and maybe we should get him on the job and see if he can come up with a way with smartphone manufacturers to integrate high-quality audio into devices. What, what a strange coincidence you should mention him. He, he emailed me yesterday asking uh, if I would go and uh, do a lecture where, where, at a university in Baltimore where he's, uh, he's been working lately. So uh, is, is he not a professor now? He is. Uh, I, I believe he is officially an, uh, a professor now. So, yes, yeah, good for him. Yeah, I, saw, I saw him doing a live performance on, uh, on an Internet TV show and uh, doing Blinded by Science on wonderful instruments and just brought it back, you know, how great that track was. <laughs> Last time I saw him, he was about to get uh, get it used as, uh, as a re-record for the San Francisco Giants. You know, the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> you know, <laughs> anything for a dollar, I, right? I, I, I don't know if it actually happened. <laughs> well, we'll but do us a favor like a nice if you idea. if you could drop him an email and let us know. We'd love to chat with him. That would be fantastic. Oh, okay, we'll do. The mini yeah. tour that you're about to embark on takes you to America in January. Then you're off to Israel, so you're kind of globetrotting back to Canada, then Germany, then Italy. I have to ask you, what, if any, gastronomic indulgences or creature comforts do you allow yourself when you're away from home? Oh, I mean, it, it's it, it's all about fine food, fine wine, <laughs> when we're on the road, really is. Uh, because, it, you know, if, if you're doing the... It, you know, it's it's often been said you you uh, do shows and uh, eat and drink for free, but you you know it's the traveling that everybody pays for. <laughs> so, Lack of sleep, strange beds, strange yeah. hours, different time zones. Absolutely, and uh, I think we're going to be on a on a bus most of the time for that for this for this trip. Um, oh no, probably not. No, because Quebec to Toronto that would be a, that would be a fly, right? That yeah, that's be a about a ten hour bus ride. I would think that would yeah. might be a plane. Yes, I think it probably is. <laughs> it takes a special kind of genius to create music that you can see. The Alan Parsons Project, iRobot, directed by a visionary with a totally unique vision.
Alan Parsons engineered the Beatles' Abbey Road and produced Al Stewart's Year of a Cat and Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, he was preparing for a future that would transcend time. iRobot, the Alan Parsons project on Arista Records and GRT Tapes, a rock masterpiece in colors you've never heard before.
From 2010, the Eye to Eye Live in Madrid CD that was iRobot from the Alan Parsons Live Project. Have the uh, principal band members of the Alan Parsons Live Project remained the same uh, over the years? Um, there's, there's been a few changes, but mostly additions. We, we, and, until uh, probably two years ago, we were a six piece, we're now eight piece. Uh, we've got a, a second singer called uh, Todd Cooper, who also plays great saxophone, so we can. Uh, get uh, the solo on Don't, Don't Answer Me sounding like the record. Richard Cobble? Uh, uh, yeah, sounding like Richard. Or was yeah. it Mel? I can't remember. Uh, I think the Don't sounds? Answer Me was probably Mel. Yeah, yeah Mel Collins. Um, and uh, another great uh, addition to the band is a guy called Dan Tracy, who is uh, another great singer and uh, plays uh, a really good guitar as well. Excellent. Always needed that. I, I take it that this isn't the type of band that you're worried about trashing a hotel room. <laughs> well, um, you know, it's not as if it's an alcohol-free band, so it's, uh, you know, the danger is there. But, uh, no, we've, ne we've never had any serious troubles. Awesome. I, I would think with the diverse catalog that you have, it it's a bit difficult to choose from your catalog, not only to please you and the band, but to, to please the fans. It's, it's a fine line. Yeah, it's, uh, we have to stick to... Um, you know, the, the ones that, uh, that that they know best. I mean, if we if we failed to play Iron Sky and games people play, I think they'd probably uh, you know s s bang their fists and uh, and uh, you know ask for their money back. I don't know. There are some uh, tracks you have to play. Yeah, <laughs> but um, we we are playing the um, the song you just played just now, Fragile, and uh, we're also playing uh, its B side, which is a. Uh, just just been uh, released or just about to be released as a good old seven inch single vinyl uh, vinyl. vinyl excellent yeah. so uh, on colored vinyl actually so uh uh yeah i mean i i, I don't have one in, in here so um i can't i can't show you right now we're, uh, by, by the way in case the listeners didn't realize we're looking at each other on skype right now <laughs> absolutely yes and i was going to show you my uh when i saw you in toronto in may 2012 you signed my yellow vinyl of tales of mystery which is uh quite rare from what i understand i found another copy since then but it is uh plain old black vinyl i'm just grabbing a, a copy of the uh of it so you can see it on the uh very this nice is, uh, this is video on radio sorry <laughs> i'll put a screenshot up on the, our website for people <laughs> to see what we're talking about all right that's the, that's the colored vinyl see lovely very excited to see that all right i'll have to go to my mm. local shop and see if we can get it in canada i'm sure it's available online uh it will be it will be we we, we don't have a we don't have a label so we're, we're self-distributing so um but it, it will be it will be available from a, from the website. A DIY yeah. project from Alan Parsons. <laughs> yes. And, and, well, uh, you know, a lot of people doing it that way these days. You know, yeah. a lot of uh, a, a lot of people feeling that uh, that, that they uh, they don't need a label these days. Well, nice to see but, that the earlier stuff is coming out on vinyl again, and um, in the medium that I personally feel it was best served by. I mean. It sounds great on, on CD, but there's just something about that vinyl, you know, that maybe 16 to 18 minutes per side, and then you had to physically get up and flip it. Yeah. 
time to just just enough time to put the kettle on and for a cup of Earl Grey in between sides. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, how how deep do you get into it? Where you worry about the sound of the live band versus the uh, the albums? Do you are, are you that obsessed by it? Um, uh, of course, uh, if I'm on stage, I can't. I can't monitor the sound that uh, that's, be, that, that's being heard out front, but uh, we have really good, uh, really good sound engineers. So I mean, you know, and, and I trust them implicitly. So, um, but we work hard to, uh, you know, to, to to try and get uh, a sound which is as close to the records as possible. Um, and uh, you know, usually it's. Uh, in, in terms of sound, it, it, it's close, but in terms of uh, excitement, I, I think it's always better live. I mean, you, you you generate much more sort of vibe when you play live than, than, than it is even possible with recorded stuff. No, no. In the studio, you're playing with the band and you're getting good looks from everyone, but there's just not that tangible energy that you can get from the audience. Absolutely. Playing live is... Uh, a bit like walking a high wire, you only get one chance to do it right, and if you make a mistake, you carry on, or what's the alternative? So I guess there's a, a definite yeah, you, energy. You only, have one, you only have one chance when you play live. is <laughs> the moment. The moment. Today, it's in this theater. Yeah. You, um, you seem to have successfully bridged the gap between artist, engineer, and producer. Not many have. In fact, I've been in some sessions where the producer was strictly forbidden from touching the desk because he didn't know what all the knobs and faders did. When you're considering working with a new artist these days, how do you sort out which of the many hats you're going to wear on a particular project? Um, yes, I, I mean, I, I remember that it was actually sort of unionized at Abbey Road once. If, if the producer tried to touch a, a knob or a fader on the board, it, you know, he'd have his wrist slapped. You know. um, but that, that all changed uh, over the years. Um, and I, th I think... You know the Beatles might have been partly responsible for that change because they started they started twiddling knobs and and uh, pushing faders up and down on, on mixes and so on. Um, but um, well, sorry, your question was uh, how, how do you sort out when you're approaching a project? Oh, am I going to be the engineer oh, or I the see, producer yeah. or both? And am I going to yeah, co-write the songs? Well, of, of course, uh, co-writing songs is. Uh, is, is something I love doing. Um, I, I love collaborating. Um, I love producing. I and I love engineering in the sort of old-fashioned sense, the traditional sense. Um, and I, what what I mean by that is mic placement, uh, mic choices, um, you know, equalization, uh, pu pushing pushing uh, you know faders up and down, twiddling knobs, but not operating a computer. I don't do that.
track from 2010's Eye to Eye Live in Madrid CD from the Alan Parsons Live Project. Uh, a great mashup of Breakdown into the Raven. Very cool. And that CD is a very worthwhile addition to your Alan Parsons collection. A listener wrote in a question and wanted to know, was it, was it easier back then to make choices when you had limited tracks or uh, 
it seems like now there's a there's too much emphasis on perfection and not enough on just getting the art down on quote unquote tape. It's um, it is much more of a or it was what much more of a decision making process because uh, you you didn't have the luxury of, of of having tracks you know unlimited tracks that you just simply just didn't use or you chose you chose a track uh, or a combination of tracks to get the best performance and um, when you only had you know four tracks eight tracks even 16 tracks it it became a constant uh, series of decision making and um, I I still think uh, that I'm reasonably decisive I don't I don't I don't like uh, having 20 tracks of a, of a vocal and then choosing you know choosing which one's the best later I, I like to get it uh, get it right as it goes down and um, Likewise, you know, synth sounds. I like to choose the synth sounds. I don't like to experiment endlessly on the mix. I just like to like to get it all get it all done as it as it happens. Speaking of which, the uh, Art and Science of Sound DVDs came out a few years ago, and and now the book is out. Um, it, I believe it's more than just a companion piece. It's, it's um, more yeah, in depth. It's sort of more accessible. I mean, it, there is a, a, a series of, of three DVDs, uh, also called The Art and Science of Sound Recording, uh, still available. But uh, I, I think in book form, it almost works better um, because you can, uh, you know, it becomes a reference work that you can look up things. Um, but and we're, we're excited about it. I mean, it, it's it's being picked up uh, at a lot of colleges, uh, recording schools, and so on, um, and. Um, I think it, I think they do work well together as well. Uh, uh, you know, the the content is largely similar between the book and the, and the DVD series. But uh, um, the 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 future, I think, probably is uh, is is for for edu uh, as far as education is concerned, is to is to go online with it and uh, make it more interactive. And and of course. Being uh, being on the internet, uh, it can always be updated at any moment. Whereas if a DVD you're committed to and a book you're committed to, but um, an updatable format, I think, is probably the the, the, the big future of, of this particular project. Co-written with former Vinyl Vault inhabitant Julian Kolbeck, a great guy that we had a chance to interview, and you guys are oh, collaborating. Did you? All right. I didn't know that. Yes, we've had some wonderful chats. Okay. Speaking of which, any more plans in the future for the master classes coming back and doing uh, the hands-on session work with you? Um, we, we'd love to do more of those. Um, no, no plans for Canada, unfortunately. We're doing one in uh, Mexico in April. Um, so if anybody wants to fly down there, they're very welcome to, to come. Um, uh, we've done, in the past, we've done uh, several in uh, South America, um, yet to do any in Europe, I think, uh, unless I'm mistaken. But uh, you know, they're they're fun to do, and um, you know, it's just the organising and uh, advertising that that's uh, it's a little bit uh, daunting. But uh, I, I hope to do more. I have to say, it was one of the most enjoyable sessions I've ever been involved with. Perhaps because my hands were not on the console, with Alan <laughs> Parsons looming over my shoulder. <laughs> But it, uh, it, it was a fun day, um, and uh, you know, I think the, the track we we did came out really well. I, I had a listener write in this week, and she wanted to know, um, and maybe this is two questions: What is your favorite song that you're not sick of performing? So that sounds like two questions: favorite song and one that you're not sick of performing. You know, every time, 
every time we play Sirius, uh, I just sort of love to, to see the audience reaction because they, they all know it, you know. Uh, I think a lot of people are saying, oh, I didn't realize that was Alan Parsons, you know, um, because they've just heard it at sports games or whatever. Um, but I, I never tire of that. Um, my my, but my actual favorite song is a song called Limelight. Oh, wow. And, and we've, uh, uh, Todd, uh, Todd Cooper, the guy I mentioned, uh, the one of the newest members of the band. He's he sings that absolutely magnificently. So um, we'll presumably be, be playing that in Canada on this run. I can't wait to hear that. I, I've only heard the Gary Brooker version on the the studio LP and stellar version. Yeah, thanks. Um, a couple of questions be, um, left to go before we end it, and um, which leads me to my next question. Um. And I'm gapping here. Where is it? Ah, da, 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 da. Good thing this isn't live. <laughs> oh, why? Why is it that your tracks are so popular with sports teams? You mentioned Sirius, and it is used as the entrance music for a number of sports teams. Yeah, it's it, it, mainly basketball, it seems. Yeah. Um, uh, Chicago Bulls, notably. Um, Although it did get used uh, at the Super Bowl game uh, for the New Orleans Saints as their walk-on music, uh, the year they won, which was which was nice. <laughs> um, but for, well, the the ultimate irony is that I'm not a sports fan. I really don't follow sports at all. So uh, and it and it definitely wasn't recorded as a as a, a sports as, as the the sports anthem that it's become. So. I'm, I'm sort of baffled by that, but, you know, very, ha very happy to see it out there and, and, and the people are, are s seeming to, to, to like it as a, as a sports theme. One of life's little ironies.
I was reading in another one of your interviews that you're, you've hinted at an autobiography of sorts, and it may be in the offing at some point. Yeah, it's just, just finding the right, uh, the right time to do it. I mean, uh, as long as I'm still active uh, recording and, and, and playing, um, the book would be incomplete without what I'm doing now. So, uh, you know, when I ultimately hang up my hat, that'll probably be the time to write it. It could be a, an e-book chapter of the Month Club where every month we get a different chapter in the life of Alan Parsons delivered electronically so that you can provide updates as you go. Uh, well, that, I suppose that's the modern way, yeah. Why not? Yeah, instead of old paper. Uh, what artist have you not worked with that you would have loved to record? And living or dead, could it be somebody that's no longer with us or somebody that's still with us? What? what who's missing on your list? Um... I, I was always the biggest fan of The Who and uh, always uh, have maintained that uh, Pete Townsend is just a, a great songwriter, great, you know, great band, great guitar player. Um, I would have, yeah, I would have liked to have done something with The Who, but uh, hey, maybe if I had uh, been their producer, I wouldn't have uh, enjoyed their music so much, you know, if you... Uh, if you're a, a listener as opposed to a, a collaborator, it's probably a different story. I would have imagined that their studio sessions would have been fraught with tension and uh, hijinks, to say the least, and maybe it wouldn't <laughs> have been such an enjoyable experience. I, I, um, I also think Keith Moon was one of the greatest drummers that ever lived, and uh, you know, he, he, I, I think he's never been, uh, never been surpassed. As, as you know, in, in, his style was just extraordinary and uh, very distinctive. Now, you couldn't say he was a timekeeper, but he was certainly a, an artist. He, he brought something to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he, he found places to put cymbal crashes where no other drummer has gone before, you know. <laughs> In between beats. <laughs> yeah, right. Accents. Final question before we let you go, Alan. Um, I ask this of everyone I, I interview. What, what artist, living or dead, whether they're film, music, uh, writers, what person... Would you like to have a cup of tea, a pint of uh, beer, or a glass of wine with for 30 minutes and sit down and learn more about? Um, I, I would probably say Brian Eno, although I have met him. Um, I, I think his, uh, you know, his his philosophies are are extraordinary, um, both musical and non-musical. Um, so a, a, a cup of tea with Brian Eno, I think, would be would be a time well spent. <laughs> Weird coincidence, when I was at the Chicago airport once, O'Hare, they were running a, a test project where they were playing music in the airports, and Brian Eno's music for airports was playing as I was walking through, and I just had to sit for a moment and, 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 and bask in the, the irony of that, the, the, the happenstance of that music being played in an airport while I was there. It was quite incredible. <laughs> Are you familiar with his oblique strategies? No, so, I have to have a listen to that. It's, 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 a, it's a series of cards which uh, you, uh, you use to make decisions. Um, it's probably, uh, it, it was originally released as, you know, as, a, as a set of paper cards, but it's no doubt on the internet these days. I will have to check so, that out. Yeah. Well, we hope to see you March the 13th and 14th at the Oakville Center for the Performing Arts, and you'll be kicking the, the symphony orchestra off stage. There'll be no accompaniment uh, by the orchestra, I take it, just the band. No, um, we do have a show not so very far away in Buffalo coming right up uh, next week. Clemens, uh, with yes. With, with orchestra. That's on the, on the 30th uh, of this month. Um, but no, I'm afraid uh, 
the the Canadian shows don't have orchestra. But hey, we 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 make a make a pretty good shot at sounding like an orchestra. So, well, we Canadians can drive across the border to Buffalo. It's only an hour and a half away. <laughs> right, not far. Technology. We'll let you go, Alan. Thank you very yeah, much sorry, for my, spending my time. My other phone is bit, is trying to is, is my it's a talking phone and it's trying to tell me who who's uh, calling. But uh, sorry, I will call them back. Don't worry. We'll <laughs> let you go, Alan. Thank you very much, and we'll see you in a in a few short months in Toronto. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you doing this. We'd mentioned the David Barrett trio earlier, and this is the track that uh, Alan Parsons engineered and produced from the David Barrett trio CD released in 2012. This is Belmonte on Radio That Doesn't Suck.
Well, that-
Alan Parsons and the Alan Parsons Live Project from 2010's Eye to Eye Live in Madrid CD. A great collection. A great addition to my collection. If you'd like to find out where Alan is playing in the coming months, you can head over to alanparsonsmusic.com. Check out the live link for all the latest appearances. You can also find details about the recently released Art and Science of Sound book, as well as the previously released DVDs. A great addition to an audiophile's collection if they have a birthday or, you know, hey, you could buy an early Christmas gift. Uh, Lord knows I need to do my shopping a little bit earlier, so we may get a few of those. Again, uh, coming up January the 30th in Buffalo, New York, the Kleinhands Music Hall is the next date with uh, a symphony orchestra, as mentioned by Alan. I'm Todd Miller for The Vinyl Vault. Thanks for listening. <laughs>